I don't know how many of you are on Facebook. I'm assuming many of us here today are. But if you are on Facebook, you may be familiar with the fact that sometimes when you get up and you're on Facebook and you're scrolling through your news feed or scrolling through the different things that are there, you'll see sometimes a a picture that'll say, on this day, it'll be a, a snapshot or a statement or something that had happened in the past. That, some, that you had either shared on Facebook or someone had tagged you in on Facebook or something that had happened, you know, since you've been on Facebook, you know. And it's, it, it, typically, Holly and I will see, see pictures of our children, you know, in years past. Yesterday, she, she saw one that it was right before we had moved from Ripley to, to um, Petal. And the kids were little bitty and were out just playing in the water hose. And we got a kick out of that. But a, a friend of mine this past week shared a memory from about eight years ago. I have a, a group of friends uh, and their spouses that we all kind of started off in ministry together at the same time up in the Delta. And uh, I, I, as, I, as I said at Mr. Doolin's funeral last week, there's two types of folks in the world, either folks that love the Delta or folks that don't understand the Delta. And so I have a great, a great love for the Delta. But these friends of ours, we started off together, and we, we would eat together every month. We would just take turns kind of going from house to house to house to house, and we'd eat and laugh and just have a good time together. And this picture that was shared was a picture at annual conference about eight years or so ago when we got together for our yearly dinner. And the thing that was funny about it is there we all are, and I'm right smack dab in the middle of the other clergy. And... um. It was weird because I must have gotten my hair colored back then because it was really dark. So there I was. You could tell by my posture and the smile on my face it was me. But I had really dark hair. I wasn't wearing glasses. And I was, um, how shall we say, Tim, smaller? So I became a running joke like, oh, my gosh, who is that guy? Like, Holly, you used to be married to this really young guy, and now you're stuck with this old guy. Like, what, what happened in this time? So it became a running joke throughout, the, throughout this week about how, how you look up, and one day you're gray-headed, and you're wearing glasses. I mean, that was just yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, time gets away from us. Life continues to spin, and we look up, and we just aren't even sure where we are. What's happening in the world? Why are things as they are? I I, I read recently, go back and watch some old movies and notice how often one of the key uh, plot points to a movie is the fact that they need to find a payphone or they find a payphone and nobody has a quarter. Well, we've all got a cell phone nowadays, don't we? I mean, it's almost a miracle if you ever see a payphone sitting around. Or how many old movies, one of the key plot points is they're lost. They don't know how to get directions. Well, open up Google Maps. You'll be there in five minutes. Life has changed very quickly, hasn't it? I read that the, the information, that, that the amount of knowledge we know in the world doubles every 18 months. The world keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and gets faster and faster 
and faster. And sometimes we just wake up in the morning and say, where are we living? What's going on? How do we get like this? It's almost enough to make you stop watching the news or taking the newspaper. How did things happen? Esther's an interesting book in the Bible. Uh, it almost, according to some biblical researchers, did not make the original Old Testament canon. It was a book that there's some debate over whether or not it should even be included in Scripture. And you're wondering, well, why? It's a, it's a verse, it's a passage we know, story we know pretty well. I mean, the, the verse 14 is a verse that we've all seen a lot for such a time, such a time as this. It's a verse we know well. Why did Esther almost not make the Bible? A couple reasons. One is that God's name is not mentioned anywhere in the book of Esther. Nowhere is Yahweh our God, or the Lord, mentioned anywhere in the book of Esther. Also, nowhere in Esther does anyone pray. Like notice, even today, they said, go, put on sackcloth, put on ashes, and fast. But what do you typically see in Scripture after fasting? Fast and pray. But nowhere in the book of Esther, it's the word prayer mentioned. So when you read the book of Esther, when you examine the book of Esther, you see a world and you see a context that has been almost totally stripped of God. God seems to be no, seems nowhere to be found in the book of Esther. God has been removed from the culture they're in. God has been removed from the language of the Jews. God seems totally absent. I heard someone say recently, Dr. Gareth Cockrell said that Esther is the most secular book in the entire Bible. Because just from a topical reading, God seems completely absent from this book. In fact, look at even the names of the two main characters we see in this text, Esther and Mordecai. You may remember from things I've said before from other Bible readings that in Scripture, your name is not just what people call you. Your name is who you are. Your name has a deeper significance than just what people call you. You know, in our culture, my joke's always, I wanted to, my only goal for my children was to give them a name that would not get them beaten up, beaten up on the playground. That's all I was after, you know. But men, nowadays, names often have family meanings. You know, you're named after so-and-so or such-and-such. -such. Or perhaps the name comes from culture. Or perhaps you just like the way it sounds. That's okay. We all have a variety of ways that we have named our children. But in Scripture, your name was not just what you're called. Your name was who you were. It was who you are. So think across the whole of Scripture, how many times God changes someone's name? Abram becomes Abraham. Sarah becomes Sarah. Simon becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. 
Over and over and over in Scripture, God changes someone's name because when God changes your name, he's changing who you are. God is changing who you are. So, our two main characters today, Esther and Mordecai, you know where their names come from? Their names are derived from Persian gods. Mordecai means one who follows Marduk, one of the Persian gods. Esther is a derivative of the form Ishtar, a Persian god. So even our two heroes in this text seem to have drifted away from God, seem to have forgotten God. And even their names signify that they are far away from God and that God is to be removed completely from life. God is nowhere to be found anywhere in this culture. God is nowhere to be found anywhere in their life. God seems absent. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way when watching the news? You ever felt that way when looking across the whole of culture? You ever felt that way when looking into brokenness in our own lives or in the lives of our family? You ever felt that way like, well, I guess God is gone. God has forgotten. God is nowhere to be found. God is absent. I think we're all tempted to feel that way sometimes, aren't we? And so while Esther may be As my professor said, the book that's the most secular in Scripture, he also reminded us that Esther is the book that shows the power of God. Because what do we see even here? In a culture that had forsaken and forgotten God, in a culture that had moved away from God, in a culture that had even pushed God out of the community square, what do we see? God is still at work. Even in a culture, in a place that had pushed God aside, God is still at work. Because God had placed Queen Esther in the very presence of the king so that she may save her people. As Mordecai says, perhaps it is for a time such as this that you are here. So even in a culture that has pushed God aside, even in a world that has pushed God away, even in a place that seems to have forgotten God, we see over and over and over again in Esther that God is at work. Christians, be joyful. Christians, lift up your heads. Believers in the resurrected Christ do not give in to the darkness and cynicism of this moment. God is not dead. God is not forgotten. God has not forsaken us. God has not abandoned us. God is not absent. God is alive. God is real. God is present. And God is working in life now. He is working in the life of our culture. He is working in the life of our families. 
He is working in the life of our church, and he is working in our lives, even if, like the book of Esther, we don't always see it. Even if we can forget it, even if we are absent of it, God is not absent from us. Do not be afraid. Do not give into the darkness of this age. Do not give into the cynicism of this age. Do not give into the hopelessness of this age. God is at work. Nestor's a book of hope in a world that seems to have forgotten God's goodness. Because while the world may have forgotten God, God has not forgotten the world. So we see in this text a couple of interesting things that we can take from this on this day, on this Father's Day. First, we see that Esther needed two things that we need. First, we see that Esther needed someone to believe in her. What does Mordecai say? You can do this. You are in this place, and perhaps God has placed you here in this time for just this reason. Perhaps it is for such a time as this that you are here. Mordecai believed in God's work, but also believed in Esther's work, that you can do this. You can do it. He believed in her. Friends, there's someone in your life that needs you to believe in them. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend. I was thinking of Father's Day and how y'all know, a lot of y'all know my story. I've been so blessed to have been raised by a good man, my grandfather, and how he believed in me and how he often got frustrated at my desire to play sports because he knew my future. You would look at me and think I was bound for the NFL. I know. I mean, seriously. I mean, this body screams wide receiver. I mean, goodness. <laughs> you know. Um, but he's saying, that's not your future. Study. 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 And I'd get frustrated at him. Come on, Dad. I mean, every team's crying for an overweight, slow, you know, lineman. You know, that's what the world needs more of. But no, he knew my future was something else. And it had been very easy for a child raised by grandparents off a dirt road in the middle of nowhere to have just slipped under the radar. But my dad believed in me. Sometimes in spite of all the evidence. (laughs) And I'm thankful for that. There's someone that needs you to believe in them today. There's someone whose spirit you can lift. There's someone facing some trial that everyone else says they're going to fail at. They can't do it. They need you to believe in them. Esther needed Mordecai to believe in her. But it wasn't just some kind of, but what does that belief look like? It isn't just some type of ethereal, oh, you can do it. Yay, team. He said, no. He gave her courage. That's the second thing. He says, you know what? Whether you choose to help or not, the people will be saved. 
Help will come from another way, even if you choose to do nothing. Now, your father's household may be wiped out in this, but deliverance will come. And notice what Esther does at the very end of this. She says, I will go to the king, and even if I perish, I will do the right thing. She had courage that she did not have originally. Notice from the text said earlier, she said, I can't go to the king. He's not called me in 30 days. I can't just waltz in and say, hey, king, how you doing? I said, I have to be called. He's not called me in 30 days. I can't do this. And Mordecai says, you must. Perhaps for this time you have been placed here. You can do this. I believe in you, and you need to find the courage to do it yourself. And by the end of the text, she believed in herself, and she had the courage. We need someone to believe in us, which means there's someone that needs you to believe in them. And we need someone to give us courage. There's someone that needs you to give them courage. On this Father's Day, there's someone that needs your example. I think that's the great thing about Father's Day is the example we set. Male or female, father or mother, grandparent, whomever. As I've told you before, my daddy's no blood kin to me. He's my, he's my adopted step-grandfather. So being someone's daddy is not always a biological term. There's someone that needs you to believe in them today. There's someone that needs you to give them the courage that you can give today. Because there's someone today that believes in you. And there's someone today that will give you the courage. The same invisible hand that gave Esther courage was God. And the same invisible hand that believed in Esther was God. That same unseen force that we may struggle to understand, struggle to see, struggle to even find, is at work. In a world where God seemed far away, God was intimately involved in every aspect of Esther's story, just as he is in yours. Winston Churchill was one of my heroes. There's stories during World War II when the Germans were bombing London, and everyone was in their cellars, their bomb shelters, hiding. Churchill would climb from his bunker up to the top of the building to get a better view of the action. Over and over and over again, he would put himself in places of danger because he felt that God had his hand on him. And it was for this time he was there. In a world that can often seem far away, God is at work. And perhaps, just perhaps, it's for such a time as this, God has you where he has you. May we be faithful and may we live in the power of God in all things. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for your grace. Help us, O oh God, to be faithful now and always. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.